The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. And in the next couple episodes, we're going to be diving into the world of SEO management at DTC companies. Joining me today is Jason Berkowitz who is the founder and SEO director at Break the Web. Break the Web helps make SEO accessible, measurable, and simply just less annoying for in-house marketing teams at D2C brands. So as I mentioned, we're diving into the world of DTC and SEO within those types of organizations. And in this episode in particular, we're going to be discussing managing SEO expectations at a D2C company. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. So with that, here's my conversation with Jason Berkowitz, founder and SEO director at Break the Web. Jason, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Tyson. It's great to be here. When I when I saw kind of the the topic come through from this, um, it perked my interest a bit because a lot of times we're speaking of like just general like SEO operations, like SEO at any organization. And for these conversations, we're kind of like narrowing in on one area. And so I like the focus that that had to kind of the topics, but maybe just the level set with the listeners out there, what are D2C companies and what is like the focus of, you know, not just this conversation, but also like your practice? Yeah. So D2C or could also be labeled as B2C business to community or direct to consumer is a business that sells directly to their ideal customer persona, their ideal customer. So there's no middleman, like even Amazon, and it's not business to business, so to speak, but selling a product or service directly to the target audience. Break the web, our agency, 
We only work with D2C or B2C brands kind of out of the B2B market. That's ruthless and in a whole nother area. But we found that when we can track directly against consumer behaviors, that's been the most enjoyable for us. Uh, Definitely most fun. And what are some of the big differences operating in these two different arenas? I can't speak so much to the B2B market because for the most part and throughout my career, I tend to stay away from it. And I think very early on, it might have been because of the non as much data-driven aspect, maybe uh, when it comes to managing internally, as you would get with direct-to-consumer markets, the sale and the conversion aspect might be a little bit harder. The, of course, conversion also might be a bit more expensive. I think also the market or the market demand, so to speak, correlating with SEO might not be as sizable. So that coupled with the higher ticket offering tends to make it, at least for me, and this is 100% my opinion, a bit harder. Uh, The sale, the close, the conversion aspect, the tracking of data, the ROI tends to be a bit harder versus in consumer marketing. There's a lot of different touch points and a lot of different ways that you can bring in those conversions and a lot of different unique problems that are solved that everyday people are going through with you know a CPG or a consumer packaged good brand, uh, food and beverage, pet product, whatever it might be, you're being able to solve a direct problem to, I would say, a wider audience. I would totally agree with that. I've actually spent a fair amount of my career in similar space, like more specifically like e-commerce. And I feel like kind of what you're describing is it feels like a lot of the day-to-day practice in the B2B or SaaS or you know whatever facet on the other side of the aisle, it, it seems like you're needing to kind of toggle between creating demand a little bit more and also like what are these kind of pain points and so it almost feels a little more traditional marketing to me where in the direct consumer arena it's like most of our efforts aren't trying to like foster or generate a demand it's simply like you know capturing already that existing demand And so at least I felt within a lot of the e-commerce, I was never like feeling like my efforts were trying to convince someone, hey, you need to buy this product. It was more of, hey, you're already looking to buy this product. Like, you know, I we have it at the right price, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it is a different like it is a nuance, a subtle nuance kind of between like, I think, where the focus of our efforts tend to be on day to day activities. Yeah, I think at least for us, it's harder for us. It's easier for us. To put ourselves in the mind of the user or a D2C user or customer, because we may very well experience the same problems. But even if we don't, using logic to match against some of those consumer problems feels a little bit easier than the B2B problem or trying to relate to some of the pain points in B2B, just because we won't know the inner workings of every business and the specific aspects related to every business. So at least for us, it's just a bit more enjoyable. And we're all weird, at least in our team, we're weird consumers of the most random things. So while we don't want to use our own personal experience as a guiding light for the SEO strategy, we find it easier to put ourselves in the mind of the consumer. That's an excellent point. Moving on with the, with the topic of like expectation and like expectation managing, managing the ex- expectations. Like already what you're telling me is with having maybe those broader data sets to guide and inform decisions, I'm guessing too that that comes into play in how you approach managing expectations for SEO. Absolutely. I mean, 
just the seasonality aspect of certain markets and industries, even indirect consumer varies greatly. Maybe winter products versus summer products or, you know, holiday pumpkin spice related candles. I don't know. Uh, but very much so the data could drive the fluctuations, I guess, and seasonality being the big one here of those consumer behaviors. And maybe like broadly speaking too, like from expectation setting, you have it from all levels, whether it's, you know, like the big obvious ones in the form of forecasting, budget planning, like those kind of things. But also I think there's the the nuance expectations of, you know, what they can expect on return or, you know, what the impact of individual tasks and initiatives are. So like within managing these expectation levels, like are you kind of grouping it out to, okay, this is executives that we're working with, this is like day-to-day users. How are you kind of breaking up the expectations that they're making here? Yeah. So for us, it starts even before they become our client. And this could also be related to somebody just trying to get some buy-in internally with setting expectations is for us, we need to help educate. And of course, set the expectations of our main point of contact so that they can relay the information back internally. And that starts for us at the sales process. If we feel like we can't get certain mindsets shifted a little bit or paradigms shifted, then they're probably not the best fit for us. But also, again, very internally, if you're trying to get some buy-in for a little bit of a budget for SEO work, making sure that whoever the direct report is or managing up can also have expectations set. And with groupings, it's hard to group because even like you said, forecasting, which we know is it's okay, but it's never 100% accurate. And budget planning could be good, but there's also... The, we, we try to group it in a few different things. Like first off, what is SEO? How SEO works? What's controllable? What's not controllable? Because very much so Google doesn't do things the way they're supposed to and things can happen. So that's kind of on the foundational level of what SEO is. And then having clearly defined KPIs and goals, alignment on what's realistic as a KPI, what's not. Is ROI a very realistic KPI or something that's even easily able to be tracked. I mean, it's a very much a very different conversation, but we might group it in in terms of that, like goals and KPIs, transparency about SEO. Then we could talk about just consumer behaviors and you know what happens if you drop. You know, is that your fault? Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe competition is doing something better. Maybe it is seasonality. Maybe Google just rolled out a bunch of different features in the search results that you might be on paper number three, but you're like many folds down. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. 
Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Interesting. So I like the kind of education first approach to this. Within like the piece that you're saying, so like let's take the forecasting, for example, where as SEOs, we all know the challenges from it. And I think it makes a lot of SEOs super uncomfortable because we know that there's that component that's uncontrollable. But a lot of times in organizations, like we still need to play the game. We still need to give some sort of, you know, forecast, like mark a line in the sand of like what, you know, what's possible. What best practices would you have for the audience on kind of balancing that like margin of error, so to speak, on something like a forecast where it's not fully controllable on our side? Yeah, so we do forecast for a few clients, but when we present the information, that's after the various caveats. So we try to set the expectations here that this forecast is likely not going to be realistic. Again, things change that are beyond our control. And a lot of it could also just be Google. Google releases an update and then they revert, they reverse it, which happens almost every single time. They release new features, they take away new features. So we give a lot of education before we present a forecast, even if it's a quarterly forecast, it's the same material that we would hope somebody would read before they dive into fancy charts and line graphs and stuff on why there might be inaccuracies with this forecast. But to your point also that sometimes executives, they don't care how inaccurate it is or it doesn't even really matter. They want to see something. So that's where even just not necessarily reinventing the wheel, but following a framework that has worked for someone else in your industry that might be on the same level or a comparable brand. Someone that, you know, makes estimated the same amount of revenue, the same amount of, if you want to use vanity metrics, the domain rating or domain authority, employee count, page count, or the amount of pages on their site. And if they're doing really well, then you can say, okay, in this month, we can see, and this is easily accessible, everyone can see, they implemented XYZ. This gave them that specific return. If we aim to emulate that as best as possible with our branding, we can estimate and hope that we get X.1 <laughs> return are the same effects. Y.1, Z.1, you know? So using someone else that already did a lot of the heavy lifting can help provide, it's harder to forecast because it's a, it's not a simple forecast where you can use like historical data. So you put a framework of what can happen because we've seen it before and it's been proven to work. And you can also have to take in like backlink counts and all the different facets in SEO, but that's how we might go about it. Yeah, and it's a it's an interesting one because yeah, you have these unforeseen factors. I, I always like to kind of like best case, worst case scenarios to to give yourself a little more like margin of error, um, so to speak. I usually, you know, at least if I know that's in there, it makes yeah, you feel a little more comfortable. The other like another piece of kind of good advice that I heard around this is like don't overly take credit for Google and algorithm changes, both positive and negative. And if you take credit by being on the positive side of an update, 
now the expectation setting when a negative thing might occur, you've already set that expectation that you are responsible for it. And so I think it's a tricky one because it's very tempting if you're on the positive side of a algorithm update to take full credit for it. But I think it's also a great opportunity to manage those expectations on potential future ones that you may or may not be on the positive side of. Yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly, especially in the way we frame SEO, since we're working with in-house teams and the in-house teams are usually marketers. There's various other departments that are very much involved. Tech, if they're doing CRO, uh, CRO there, uh, maybe sales as well, branding, uh, UX. And it's a, hopefully it should be a collaborative effort where not one aspect or department is more important than the other. But when SEO wins, essentially everyone wins. And we relay that also to our points of contact. Bring that internally and celebrate and give kudos to the dev team for implementing some really cool recommendations and compressions, maybe whatever it might be, that this is all a team effort. So we're all sharing the wins and maybe, maybe we're all sharing the, the downs. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I, I mean, I think it's great advice uh, to bring in those people. I would, you know, the, the downs maybe not as evenly or eagerly shared, but I think that's, yeah, the absolute right approach on, because I mean, so much of SEO is like, and maybe we'll dive into this a little bit more in the next episode, but it's like, there's so much that's based on relationships. And even though in some ways it's an analytical type like practice, but it has such a heavily reliance too on just that personal side of things. Maybe just to kind of close out this episode, any kind of final thoughts that you would leave for the listeners on manage expectations specifically with direct to consumer? Yeah, I'll give some, uh, I guess some quick TLDRs maybe. Like I said before, expectations start from initially trying to get buy-in, getting alignment and clarity on goals and KPIs and what you're going to be tracked against, and also understanding what's realistic, what's not, what's possible, what's not. Also, that SEO, you need to understand at least broadly how SEO works. And there's going to be, like we've talked about, controllables, uncontrollables, things that happen. And sometimes the search engines aren't doing their job right, which we keep saying more and more now, uh, oddly enough. That also drops some fluctuations in your traffic very well might happen, whether it's seasonality, competition getting a leg up, features that get shown, or certain features that get shown in the search results, and then also even just collaboration time. Like for us, we want to make sure that our clients understand that, especially very early on during the foundational aspects, we will need some of their time. So it's not just, okay, I'm passing everything off to this vendor and they take care of it and I'm done. We very much need approvals. We very much need to understand brand voice. So there is a little bit of collaborative time very early on there. And I guess the last thing I'll say is that also consumer behavior and all the different aspects I just mentioned before will absolutely impact conversions and revenue. So even as consumer behavior changes, conversions and revenue, which might throw a wrench in forecasts, will very much change as well. I like that last piece too on like the consumer demand aspect. And I think that's an area within SEO that we can offer quite a bit to like the broader org because of that consumer demand trends, search volume data that we can pass back. So I think it's a, a really on point recommendation, not just the expectations, but kind of general in a bit of how we manage kind of SEO in an organization. But with that, that wraps up this Voices of Search podcast. 
Thanks to Jason Berkowitz, founder and SEO director at Break the Web for joining us. In part two of this interview, which will be published tomorrow, Jason and I are going to continue the conversation and dive into managing successful direct-to-consumer SEO projects. If you can't wait until the next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jason, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes or visit his company's website at breaktheweb.agency. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, just head over to thevoiceofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests, and you can also send us your topic suggestions or SEO questions and apply to be a guest speaker on the Voice of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media where our show handle is at Voices of Search and you can find me at Tyson underscore Stockton. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your feed, we're going to be publishing a new episode every workday. So just hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we will be back in your feed in the next business day. All right, that's all for today. But until next time, remember, the answer is always in the data. 